So that way we're not the bad guy. I mean, sure. Like if it's just purely a, like a rhetorical, if we're just talking about the rhetoric, but I, you have, so it's a mindset too, right? So if everybody believes that, if everybody truly believes it, then there's something different will happen. But I think that that's also, you have to balance that with, well, you know, this idea that, well, don't, haven't I gotten what I've earned in life too? Haven't I worked for and, like, don't I have some, um, like, I, understanding of that I've, I've worked hard to get what I have? Right. Um, and so then it's just a matter of, even if you do give your money away, who, who are you giving it to? What if I, what if I'm, what if it's like to pro-life? Is that a good thing? You know, is that well, a bad it's, thing? It would be whatever you whatever we say isn't fair. So I think generally what me and you say isn't fair is that there is an equality system already set up in America where if you're rich, your kids are going to be rich and blah, blah, blah. Plus there's a color aspect to it. Well, the color of your skin has kind of set all that stuff up ahead of time for everybody. Well, so and I think if you're men, male or female, right? Exactly. And so I think yeah. me and you will say, this is not fair. Sure. But we won't really do anything about it. We'll still benefit. We'll get all the benefits of the fact that it isn't fair, but then we'll still say it isn't fair. And I'm not saying this is malicious. I'm not saying me, me, me and you have doing, been doing anything malicious. This has just made me really think about it a different way. Because this person's just saying that if you benefit from a system and you're not actively tr trying to fix it, mm -hmm. you really shouldn't also be constantly saying that it isn't fair because you're kind of just washing yourself of the fifth without doing anything about it. What's the alternative? There are two alternatives I see. One is you don't, you do something about it, right? You, yep. you actually go out and do something about it. Or two is you don't say anything. Yeah, kind of. So which is worse? I think. Because if, you know, my argument there is then you're, aren't you like starting to creep into the other side of, well, I, you know, I, I, I don't, it could be okay. You know, then it's just like, that's a pretty slippery slope to me. You, we have to go down that second. To me, I think it's that second road, but turning the mirror on ourselves. Instead of complaining publicly to other people and saying, this isn't fair, mm -hmm. saying, you know what? I think I'm actually part of the problem. And that becomes the conversation. To, to stop pretending that I am not part of it, that I'm not reaping the rewards and that I'm not doing anything about it. So I guess then the argument really becomes, are you, in, when you say 
that there's an issue or whether or not you're including yourself in that issue that that's that seems like a simple fix to me just about that's again just about words before you announce your thought if it's that simple then i would i would totally agree if it's just a matter of me having to say hey you know i i know that i'm, I'm contributing to this just by my maleness and whiteness but i want to change it right and to stop saying these other people are creating a problem because of their maleness and whiteness and start looking at ourselves instead. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, so there, there's the crux of, to me, why politics is what it is, is because the idea that one thing is right and the other thing is wrong is what enables us to continue the argument, right. And, and to have a different side rather than saying, Oh, but if we just agreed on 85%, then we could actually move in a direction, regardless of what, if, what direction it is, at least it's in the direction that we mostly agree on. And we don't do that. We, we don't, we just look at, oh, well, it's different, so it can't be right. When, again, I think when you get down to the basics of most things, it's pretty much people kind of feel the same way about it. It's just, we allow, we allow rhetoric and, and other things to divide the idea or to separate the thought the reason I'm talking about all this maleness and whiteness is because, you know, also so far on the podcast, we've just had guys on so far. And I've personally talked to you a lot about podcasts because we're both podcast heads, but I've been listening to Joe Rogan off and on now for probably about 10 years. And I know you're not really a fan. And so whenever I'll tell you about it, you, you're always kind of like, Ew. and I'll say stuff like, yeah, but he has like, super interesting people on sometimes like I get to listen to people talk about artificial intelligence and stuff like that listening to him like really smart people you know I get to listen to Elon Musk explain to Joe Rogan why magnets can't solve everything in the future you know and uh and I'll say to you though one big problem I have with Joe Rogan is over 90 percent of his guests are male and I, I just don't love that it's such a bro-y show and so then I started to kind of look at myself a little bit to and being like, uh, wow, are we doing the same thing here? Because so far we've just had dudes on and Duppy said you guys should have more than just dudes on. Yeah, and Duppy part, did say that. Part of the problem is I'm not like friends friends with a lot of girls. Like all my friends friends for the most part are guys. And so when I look to who I should have on, it's more like acquaintances or relatives when it comes to females, um, which gets a little tougher for me. But this week I decided I would reach out to somebody who I met through the art community um, quite a long time ago. Uh, just a really interesting person uh, from what I could tell. So she's going to be jumping on in a little bit here and uh, hopefully we can just roll right into it, Sean, but I'm personally a little nervous. Yeah. You, you get a little nervous when we're about to have a guest on. <clears throat> um, that's something I used to have to deal with. Uh, <laughs> And I used to get super nervous and like to the point where I would be a little um, incapacitated, like have to lay down. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I, I, I seemingly got over that just by facing it. Does this particular one make you nervous? Because I know in the past ones that made you nervous were the MTG ones where we'd have like minor celebrities on. No, Is because so the, the thing is that that was in a, we were in a world where we were, we weren't trying to be experts, but we were, we were playing in an expert arena and right. having experts on. And so there's this like level of expertise. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't carry that with Raver, Raver, uh, Jay on the program either, but, um, or anybody for that matter, but it's just different 
uh, th- that's not what this podcast is about. It's not about being an expert, which makes me just feel like, okay, well, one of the things I most enjoy in life is listening to people tell their stories and asking them questions about it and just kind of finding out about them. And then, you know, it goes into this giant file that I love to keep in my head about people. So, uh, yeah, it's just, that's what I look forward to is just, Oh, here's another person. And the fact that they're into raves since the nineties, you know, we have some, we have some serious, um, connections to that with some of our old friends and just ourselves, what we used to do. So I definitely want to know how the scene has changed and what it was like back then for them. And maybe even tell some old stories about what it was like for us. That's the way I'm trying to look at this too, as like, I do really enjoy talking to interesting people that I haven't ever gotten a talk chance to talk to again before. And look at that. Raver J is joining them, joining us right now. Speaking of interesting people. Perfect timing. So it's probably going to take a second here to like get the audio connected and then we'll be rolling right into it. Hi. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Hi, Sean. How are you? Good. Can you, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I, um, well, that's the best I can do. Okay. Hey guys. Hi. I don't know why. Here we go. Oh, video. Oh, look at you. Yeah. (laughs) I dressed up. (laughs) Oh, I feel like a bum. (laughs) No, you look great. (laughs) Thank you. Raver J Blue. Um, Okay, so I do have air or earbuds. Sure. You want me to test them and see if that's better or? Yeah, the only reason why earbuds sometimes help is that way when we talk, uh, your microphone won't pick it up at all because it goes straight into your ears and it it can help out with us like talking over each other and things like that. Okay. All right. For everybody who can't see, Raver J looks amazing right now. You have a crown of stars. Thank you. <laughs> right? you, have, you have the checkerboard collar, which I've noticed is yeah. p- is part of your brand, right? The checkerboard. It is. Yeah. <laughs> you look amazing. And what does it say in the Thank background? You. It says, uh, happily ever laughter. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, we, we started yeah, off. Thank you for having me. Started off just uh, chatting up a little bit like we normally do, and we're super excited to have you. We really appreciate guests coming on, and um, you know, we just we're gonna chat. We already are recording too, so um, just know that we should probably let you know that right off the bat. Um, okay. But yeah, um, if there's anything that you want to talk about, we're we're definitely gonna talk about it. We have a ton of questions for you. Okay. Um, yeah. So Jeff, I I know you got some questions right off the bat. What what do you want to start with? Right. So. The reason I reached out to you, Raver J, is um, it, I just saw you as a really interesting person from several angles. And so when I look at who I would like to learn more about and just possibly have an interesting conversation with, it seems like, okay, so just so everybody knows, you seem like you have a very deep tie to the rave community, which Sean and I had some experience with back in the 90s. And I'm sure things have changed tremendously from the Jinko jeans and the, you know, <laughs> the basement raves and stuff like that um, to um, uh, you're now in Costa Rica. And that's interesting as well. And I want to know all about that. We actually have a friend who's down there uh, trying to save turtles right now in Costa Rica. I don't know if you guys are anywhere near oh, cool. each other. 
And then also you are producing a, a comic right now. You're actually bringing a comic to life, like from birth to actually bring it out into the public. And so these are all things that Sean and I don't know a lot about. So it's kind of the areas I was hoping to, to ask you about just so we can, you know, learn the whole, you know, vibrant prism that is this world, you know? Yeah, let's talk about it all. I'm excited. <laughs> all right, let's start with the rave scene. What was it that originally drew you into it? And when was that? Well, I know sometimes I, I don't really um, remember. It was it was like 99, I think. Um, my first rave was so, I, you know, I missed the um, the whole basement rave thing. I knew that it was kind of going on, but I, I graduated from high school in 97 and um, you know, I had good, I had good parents. They were trying to protect me and they didn't, I, I went to plenty of parties, but like we weren't throwing those kinds of parties in my town. And, um, and so when I learned about raves, I was working at a restaurant and people were telling me I needed to go out to the desert. And, um, and I just, I just didn't quite get there for another few years. Um, so the first one that I went to was a spirit world production in Las Vegas. Uh, and it was a pimp and hoe ball. And so Spirit World was like this production company that was big in Southern California. And they were, they were known for kind of these, like, like the cartoon characters that they use on the flyers kind of look like Pamela Anderson, you know, <laughs> like they had the thin eyebrows, like big boobs, like, you know, like vinyl kind of looking outfits. And, um, and I actually, wire, to, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I happen to be, um, dancing my way through college and um, at that particular moment in time. So for me, that particular first rave was kind of like, oh, like, hey, it's a bunch of girls like me. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so that was, that was fun. And that was my first experience. And I, I just had a great time and remembered, you know, just loving that feeling um, of, of just so many people coming together and, um, you know, it was my first exposure to ecstasy and, and the way that the lights, you know, interact with that <laughs> substance. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really a beautiful experience, but it was my next rave that I, I like really fell in love with. So the, the other thing was fun. Um, and, you know, it was Vegas and it was like kind of, scandalous outfits that are not scandalous anymore right. <laughs> it's like that changed dramatically right yeah. But, yeah. but the other one was um together as one so it was the new year's rave and uh and that was in la at the coliseum and um that one i fell in love with because that was like the big baggy pants and you know the candy kids and um and the club kids and you know it's like i i loved i loved that like i loved the um, you know, being able to tap into kind of like, you know, our childhood again. So it's like, I had like the super sexy rave and then yeah. I had this like, you know, let's go back and just be whatever rave. And so that's, that's what really caught my heart was, um, together as one. Now you um, say candy kids, isn't that a term for kids who wear like colored bracelets and colored something they make beads or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. They use, um, typically plastic beads. And it can be really, really ornate. Um, you know, some of them make uh, these big like medallions. Um, 
And, uh, and that's like a different process. I think sometimes like they're melting yes. um, beads to create some of those, but, um, but some of the candy bracelets, I forgot to put mine on, um, <laughs> but uh, they'll, they'll make like big chunky ones, like yeah. double or triple layers and puff out. And I mean, it's, it, the level of creativity is just like, <laughs> and masks too they were wearing masks before covid right it was a thing yeah. where they would make like these masks to kind of cover your face and have cool designs on them and things right yeah i mean i think part of it was you know like if you were at you know out in the desert like that was protecting you from dust mm-hmm. um some of it you know some people are into like vicks vapor rub and you know like smelling that like i i happen to like it i don't usually carry vicks um at a rave but um, but I like the experience. I mean, you could use like peppermint essential oil or something um, too, but you know, some people like to do the Vicks and then put the mask on and then it was really strong. Oh, amazing. That sounds good. Um, and then I think other people were doing it just uh, to, you know, as part of their outfit. But... So would you say you felt like you found your community, like it was a time in your life where you, you kind of fell into your community where you found people that I know you'd kind of said that with the dancers and everything else, but the second rave you went to, did it feel like, yeah, I found my people. Like, I, I feel comfortable here. I don't have to try anymore. Yes. Yes. I, that was how I felt. And so I, I, it's not so much that, you know, you go to a, an event that has like 50,000 people. And, um, and so you, you feel comforted just looking around. You're like, Oh my gosh, we're all freaks. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> right, right. Um, but it was like, I had my crew. And that was really special to me at the time as well. So it's like, I kind of knew them. Um, one of the people that, um, that kind of coordinated us, he had thrown um, lots of like little club parties in Northern San Diego. And his, um, his name was like Club Vinyl, not his DJ name. Um, his name was uh, Mikey um, Burdett, but um, but his, his night that he would do was called Club Vinyl. And, um, and so they were smaller events because like Northern San Diego wasn't like huge at the time, but, but we had this little tribe that would, you know, um, go to the raves together. And that was just really, uh, yeah, that was, that was my tribe. And just knowing like when you show up that, that everyone else is doing the same thing. I think that mm-hmm. was really cool. Um, and then just the, the love and the um, accessibility, you know, people running up to you, um, just hugging you, uh, <laughs> wanting to take pictures with you. I just, I had never experienced anything like that in any other kind of concert, um, hmm. you know, or like in high school or. <laughs> right. Sure. Sure. You know. I had only been to a couple raves in my whole life and they were around like 95. Um, they were, when they were underground, you would have to like get a flyer and the flyer would tell you where to go to find out where the rave was because they didn't yeah. want it to get busted by the cops. And back then it was even right before ecstasy. I feel like it was obviously yeah. before Molly back then we were all just doing acid. And so I'm wondering if we can talk about the drug experience a little bit, especially for people who have never been to a rave or have only heard about it or seen pictures. Cause I think it's different than what people think. I can talk about my personal experience. And if you can just build on that, I, I thought it was about like doing acid, ecstasy or, or Molly or acid and like hooking up with somebody. But then when I got there and I did acid, it uh-huh. wasn't about hooking up with somebody. It was that everybody was beautiful and it didn't even matter if it was a guy or a girl. And it's just like, even touching somebody's skin was just euphoric and it wasn't about taking it necessarily a step further. It was almost like you felt like you were making love to just the whole crowd in a weird way, you know? 
Yeah, that the connection to oneness. Um, so for me, it's like a very, uh, you know, spiritual experience. Um, and I think for a lot of people, it is, you know, uh, whatever substance that they're taking and, you know, and sometimes like, you know, some people don't connect it back to spirit, like maybe they didn't, you know, bring it that far. But I, I ended up having like a very spiritual experience, like a few years down the road. And so for me, it became like very prevalent in my mind, like, oh, wow. Okay. But I think everyone taps into that kind of universal oneness and, um, and especially with um, ecstasy, because I, I can't really speak a lot to acid. Like I had taken acid maybe twice before last year. <laughs> even, though, even though I, um, you know, I'm like, I, I love mushrooms. Mushrooms are my thing. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but acid I took with like one of our super friends, um, Katie Bunny, who's like acid queen. And I felt really safe with her. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know how people take acid and then go to a party. Yeah, no. <laughs> to me, it's, so, like, it's like, I'm not in control. Like it was yeah. really like intense and overwhelming to me. So I, I don't know if that was part of it. Like you got there and you're like, Oh, I got overwhelmed. Overload. <laughs> yeah. I did about yeah, half was... the rave. I spent the rest in the car while everybody else kept partying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't think I could, I think I can only do acid with like, a handful of select people and you know like mushrooms i would be fine but i i actually prefer like daytime and and nature um ecstasy was more of like you know kind of um party party drug um that helps you connect to that that oneness and and the love that yeah isn't necessarily sexual and um and so i think that was another thing that i really appreciated as well is you know here i was like kind of in a very um, uh, exploring sexuality in one part of my life. Um, and, uh, and then being able to go to this other environment and it's, you know, it's like we could be, you know, these beautiful beings, guy or girl, you know, and, and you know, whatever, whatever that looked like. And, you know, it's like, it was so open, but it, it didn't have that, that vibe of like, Oh, I want to just like get up on it. Like it just felt really safe. Right. Um, and so right. I, you know, it's like, I don't know how it feels being a guy, but from like a girl slash, you know, woman's perspective, it's like, I always felt really safe going to these parties. Like I, I didn't feel like, you know, I had to push people away. I mean, every, every once in a while, yeah. you know, it's like someone, it was like their first experience. Maybe they weren't on the right drug <laughs> and they didn't get it, but like, but, but like people, you know, tend to educate that person um, so that they're, you know, cause we don't want them to feel weird. Right. I, I think the best way for me to talk about that too, from, from my perspective was that I was, it was always really hard for me to stare, you know, at, at women for all the different reasons that society puts on you, you know, for, for not wanting to do that to awkwardness, et cetera. But I always felt like it was okay at a rave, like the people, the way that they were dressed, they were okay with it. They were okay with me looking at them. And, and again, it wasn't at that, like, I wasn't going, Oh, let's go have sex. I was just admiring them. And yeah. I didn't, as a young man, I it was very hard for me to separate those two things, but I think being on ecstasy and being in that crowd allowed me to definitely understand those, that separation of those two things, which is a very valuable thing to understand. It's extremely powerful. Yes, it is. You know, I, I'm going to open up my little comic book real quick. Nice. Um, 
so there's this um, part of the story where like Raver J, she's like going to the club with her friends and it's her first exposure to ecstasy. And then at some point they end up telling her like, hey, do you want to, um, or she, she actually says like, oh, I wanna, I think I wanna dance now. They're like, okay. <laughs> so they're, they're bringing her down to the floor. Oh, where is it? I don't know. Anyway, she, she's like walking down and, um, oh, you don't see her in this panel, but she sees like these people that she's looking at. Can you see that? Yeah, oh yeah. Yes. And, um, oh, yeah. and she says, is everyone smiling at me? <laughs> <laughs> and her, her friend says, of course they are. Right. You know, it's like, you know, everyone's admiring each other here. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then she goes and she has her time and then um, and she transforms from that experience to, to going into like the rave. I really so. like the art in the comic. Did you pick your artist? How does that whole process work? Do you have to like pick an artist and a penciler and a writer? And I, it, like, how do you even start, you know? Yeah. So um, this project started. Uh, well, I, so I had like that, that like super spiritual experience in 2002. I was on a dance floor. I happened to be at one of the, the more sexualized raves. So um, I don't think that it, you know, you don't have to be at like a, a transformational festival to get <laughs> your spiritual experience. Like, I think just like losing yourself, like in dance itself, right. can open you up to that kind of experience. So I, I just can... happen to be. I can relate to that a little bit. I'm pretty square when it comes to most things, but when I'm out on the dance floor, I I start I don't act like anybody's looking. I go for it. I'm the guy who embarrasses myself. So I I feel you there. I feel you there. You can definitely transcend yourself. You can, yeah. So I just I happened to be at that kind of an event. It was called Summer of Love. Um, and I was all in orange, and I'm just like feeling it, and it's almost like the heavens opened, and I like light, like honey. It was super bright. I mean, it was just it was intense and I was like turning into light and I don't know if like I would have like spontaneously combusted if I had not been pulled out of the experience from a friend of mine and I was right. just you know and and I because I was kind of like only a couple years into um you know this culture and, and community I wasn't quite clear if it was like was that just a really good pill? <laughs> you right. know? And um and I can definitely say you know like 20 years later it's like no that mm -hmm. was something completely different and so like about a year later I I had insomnia I was at like a, a family event and this um and I I had kind of another mystical experience I've had like three like that have set my life you know in a certain direction has inspired all my work mm -hmm. um so I was kind of asked to look at that experience and um and and revisit it and and study it and you know and I was like, okay. <laughs> and that was the <laughs> night that the Raver J character came to me um, or was given to me or how, right. however we want to say that. And her two sidekicks, Zoe and Zephyr. And so I, I knew that I needed to like set off on this journey to create that. I didn't know how to do this. Like I had gone to business school and, um, and I was like studying, you know, I had studied for real estate and, and marketing and, I, mean, I was just like, oh, okay, like this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. That's weird, but all right, <laughs> like <laughs> sounds sounds good because I had been going to like comic cons and I love pinup art and so I I just 
I'm like, all right, I'll figure this out. And I don't remember exactly how I first met my first person topper. Um, but however that happened, topper ended up, um, helping me create my first comic, which actually came out in 2004. So I consider that one issue zero, even though it, that one actually says issue one mm -hmm. on, um, on that one as well. And, uh, and so Topper kind of schooled me. And I, I think there was actually some other guy first that helped me find Topper. And he was too expensive for me. He was just like, look, I like your idea, but I work for Marvel and I have to charge $300 a page. But I, okay. you know, he's like, and I only do pencils. You know, right. he's like, you're going to need ink yeah. and, you know, Colorist. the letter. Yeah. And well, that one I couldn't even afford to go to Keller. So I just, right. you know, at, at like a more discounted rate. So Topper um, took me on because he liked my idea as well. And, um, and so he had um, people because he had been in the industry for such a long time. He had, you know, worked for Disney animation and, wow. you know, and he's, yeah, he had, been in the scene for a long time so topper was super integral and um and so we found everyone else through them i actually but the the cover artist of the original one like i i had met them at a comic con they were art play mix and um and so that was that was something that i found on my own but um so that was 2004 um and then i i ended up having to kind of blow up my life <laughs> so that i could keep following my heart so right. like that was a whole like, make room right yeah make, make and, room for where I need to go yeah and so that you know took out time I mean it was it, like I had to go through that experience to for so many different reasons but um you know it's like that there wasn't a lot of creative it, there was notes being taken and um, but I couldn't really move forward with the project um because of what I had done for my life. So can, can I ask you at this point, what is Raver J's story arc? What are you imagining as like a story for Raver J at this point? What, what is Raver J going to be doing in what you're thinking you're going to be creating? Well, um, so I'll, I'll answer that question, but let me explain. Okay. So I, <laughs> okay. I have the, I, the comic book is done. Um, this first, this first issue, um, and that's, that's kind of like a, what I consider a prequel to, um, the first novel that I wrote, which is also about her. So this, this novel is called Rave Mythophrenia. It's available on Amazon. Um, I'm not a big fan of Amazon, but unfortunately they, you know, it is helpful. Like they, it's easy to buy from, and, um, there are other places that it could be bought, but. Anyways, um, so this is one half of her origin story. And so I'm working on the sequel right now. So I'm telling that, but like what I want her to be is um, kind of like a, like an earth activist, um, you know, where she ends up, you know, going to parties around the world and, um, you know, she can, she's kind of a little undercover and um, she finds things that are happening in the local environment that need healing. Um, and that could be, you know, from like, you know, illegal mining happening or, you know, people taking old mummies, you know, right. from, <laughs> you know, digging things up and excavating. And so, you know, there's some um, magical elements that, you know, that would be in there um, to, for that healing process. 
or the revelation process or whatever it is. So her power is that she can kind of manipulate um, light and sound and, um, and she can change people's hearts. Hmm. So. Um, that fits in only, perfectly with the rave motif. <laughs> yeah. and, and only there's only the first episode out right now. Only the first. Um, yeah, just one. the first episode. And so unfortunately, like I, I had to switch gears to like written form because um, like when I could start the project again, like I kind of wanted to work with um, a different, some different artists. Um, I love Topper. I just wanted, you know, different art in the book. And, um, and so I, I had met like a new team and love them, still love them. Um, Zen uh, of, uh, High Concept Media, and then uh, Jamelin Parks. And they, they helped me a lot, uh, and Todd, um, get kind of like a new team together. So I did pick the colorist and the artist, Rem Brew, um, and Zen did the, uh, the lettering. Um, but uh, it just, it took forever. It, and, Part of the reason is that like, if you don't have a budget to kind of afford some artist's life, yeah. um, then, then you're just their side job. And, right. uh, you know, and so Ram, you know, I don't know how high demand he is, but you know, he seemed to be quite busy often, you know, so go Ram, <laughs> I'm glad he um, was busy. Um, but I, I think he had other jobs where, you know, he was being paid for, three months at a time and I was paying him like by page. And so it just wasn't um, moving that fast. Sometimes he would go off the map for quite a long time. And, um, and so at some point I'm like, shoot, you know, like this is, if, you know, a comic is like 30 pages, you know, the, the story that I have, that's her origin story. I'm like this at this pace, I'm like, it might take me like 30 <laughs> years to tell this story. I'm like, and I, like I'm in charge of her, origin story like this right. is what I knew from like the one experience um that I had asking me to you know where I got the character and asked me to look at my spiritual experience I, I knew that I was in charge of her origin story and that um that it could be potentially okay for me to then uh license out you know her story after that um but I didn't want her origin story to be like distorted or corrupted you know like that was that was my job so yeah, I just, um, I don't know. I forget. Well, <laughs> I, have a, I have a totally different question now. And you also are okay. making me want to talk about something a little more deep, maybe when we're all done kind of going through your life. It's kind of like a thing uh, about about that I want to come back to. Um, yeah, I, I want to know about the light too, because I have I had an experience as well. So I, we need to talk about that. I've always been a okay. big comic book fan. And I know like uh, if you dig deep in your wallet, you can buy like the original pages that they were and they're all big have you so have yeah. you have you seen those for your comic they're like big and they're the original like drawings of the pages and stuff like that and like those are cool yeah um topper topper had that so this new comic that came out i don't know if rem has that because he might potentially be all digital i have no idea yeah. rem is in germany and I've never met him. Like mm. um, I picked his art because Zen kind of acted as like my co-producer. And um, 
so he he helped put out the ad for the artists and then you know he pre-selected i don't know five artists and then he's like okay what do you think out of these five right. um and then i i you know it's like okay i think i like ram that's amazing um, so you're I able to work with somebody it. across the world like that that's pretty yeah. incredible that that all can all just come together now you know yeah our colorist is from mexico see <laughs> Um, well, our final colorist. We went through a few colorists. And you're in Costa Rica um, now. And I'm in Costa Rica. Yeah. You don't, actually, Raver J doesn't seem like the type of person to have difficulty encompassing many things and right. believing that they're possible. It seems like that's kind of why you're here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I believe that we're, we're all capable of, um, you know, like, like we've been so linear and um and we are multi-dimensional beings and um you know we are capable of of doing so much and for a while it's like oh you have to be just this or just that <laughs> um and you know it can be a struggle you know trying to do lots of different things um but i don't know that's that's how i like that's what feels good to me and i'm just a really big advocate of um of doing what whatever it is that your heart is telling you to do because that's going to um sustain and you know your efforts and, and nourish your soul mm. so so i have a question about the person that pulled you back from the light sorry this is going yeah. back a few minutes yeah. here in conversation but it stuck out to me dramatically um so that person are you still friends with them um are you connected in some way with this person still um i think on a soul level, I'll always be connected yeah. to that person. Okay. Um, Excellent. Well, it, yeah. it doesn't, that part of it doesn't matter as much to me, but the, the, when they pulled you out of it, did you ever have the conversation with them about like, Hey, how, how did you know what was happening? Like, I, honestly, obviously we're connected, but you, you were the one that saw what was happening, right? You were a privy to it along with me. So that's the part that's special to me. Cause that doesn't always happen that way. And that that's why I want to ask about it. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I really talked to him about it. Um, and I don't, yeah, and I don't know. And I, I can't talk to him anymore. Um, Understood. Uh, yeah, but um, what I think happened <laughs> is this. Um, I think we were trying to leave the rave um, and we were in Vegas again. And so we were going up to our room to after party. I think the rave was kind of, ending and we were trying to get out before like the big crowd and so um you know i i remember we were kind of like towards the the back of the floor level and there was like a, a back bar and mm -hmm. so my friends were getting some last minute drinks before we were going to go up to the room and i decide in because i love big giant space so i'm like i'm gonna just dance the last few minutes that we're here so i think he went to the bar with um some of the friends and here I am like totally immersed in the experience. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you thought I was not necessarily like being rude, but it's like, Hey, we're leaving. Like, <laughs> come on. So I don't think it was, okay. I don't think he knew what was happening. I, I got you. It was like, come on, like we're going. <laughs> oh no. So it wasn't, and, a, it wasn't a beautiful experience. I thought it was, it was actually this person just being, get out of here. <laughs> Time to go. Yeah, I don't think he has any clue. And um, here I am, like having like the right. you know, I, I was I was ecstasy, you know. 
They're like, my right. cigarettes are back in the room. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. or whatever else is back there. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Before we move on from the comic, I want to make sure everybody knows where to find you and the comic. So there's www.raverj.com, right? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming um, uh, people can find a lot of what you're doing there. But there's other ways that people can find things you're interested in. Uh, like, for example, mystrikingly.com. Seems like you're also involved in that as well. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, you know, they just happen to be the web platform that I use for all the websites that I create for my different okay. projects. Oh, so it's and, like a Squarespace. Um, it is. And so for projects that like are just kind of in my heart and that I'm not really trying to be overly professional about, um, I I just, I don't go out of my way to buy, you know, uh, the domain name for it because I, I don't mind giving them some credit. It's like, sure. I need, I need this platform to survive. <laughs> so it's like, let's give them some advertising and just keep it in there. Um, you know, so it's like for waiver J that one is masked if you will. And um, for green wave, my nonprofit, that one's mass and electronic music Alliance, but like the, the other ones, it's like, why not just, give them, you know, let people know about my strikingly. It's like, I love them. It's super easy. Um, I would recommend anyone that, you know, has a project that, that, you know, they're like, what's my first step. It's like, build a website, right? <laughs> you know, do something easy, you know? And I, just from my experience, um, working in the nonprofit space and having people want to help out with things and, mm-hmm. you know, I can't tell you anything more frustrating than needing to add content and not knowing how to do it on your site and having to rely on someone to get back to you when Mm it is supposed to be timely. And so at some point I just took it over and and said, you know, I need to find a platform that I like. And I I just happen to like this one. That's why I don't let Sean edit the episodes anymore. Cause sometimes I don't get them (laughs) back for like four days. I'm like, I want to publish it, Sean. (laughs) <laughs> Give it back to me. Sean actually makes yeah. uh, music uh, electronically as well. He d- makes different oh. intros and he'll mess with the episodes sometimes with stuff like that. Oh, cool. So tell me a little bit about Green Wave. Green Wave um, came out of my first experience to Costa Rica. And I never would have had, um, I, I probably never would have come down here unless I had already started uh my project with Raver J. If I, if I had not gone on my adventure of, of the heart, um, I definitely would not have come to Costa Rica. And so I attribute Green Wave to being started basically by Raver J because Raver J is like a Raver super heroine. And at some point I'm like, okay, she's my inner muse. And, you know, I, you know, if, if I'm going to be a super heroine and I have all these ideas, it's like, I need to act more like a superhero, right? <laughs> you know, and um, so anyways, like I, I came down here and this was like the third mystical experience that happened to me. So it's like 2002 was like light. And then um, 2003 was like, like this information bubble, download, upload, however we want to talk about it. Sober, like completely sober. That gave me the idea for Raver J. Um, and then the when I came to Costa Rica, I had that same thing happen to me, like where I had this upload download session with insomnia, completely sober, where I just, I just saw a lot of information um, is the, kind of like the only way that I can describe it. It's, it's just so 
hard to describe these kinds of experiences sometimes. But I think I can relate. Like being... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I've had one period where I uh, couldn't sleep for a very long uh, time. It was right actually during this the election this year because I was very sick and also the election was happening and it took us like four days to get the results. So during that whole period, oh, I slept yeah. very little. I talked to Sean at one point and I was hallucinating. And my hallucinations weren't just nuts, right? Sometimes you do like start to see the matrix a little bit, if, if I may. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's a great way to put it because the way I was about to describe it was like, um, you know how like if you blow bubbles yeah. and, um, and it has that, like let's say we're inside one of those bubbles and then you see on the top of the bubble, like like all the pretty patterns, like the swirl yeah. of, you know, like translucent, like rainbows. Yeah, like there's um, oils twisting around and stuff. Yeah, so like if that was information mm-hmm. and it was, you know, like, however we want to talk about that, is it fractals? Like that's so pixelated, but right. um, I'm like, but it was just, it was like, I could see just like, all this information I understood it almost immediately and I think like what I understood was like oh shit like we we've set up everything in modern society in a way that is not eco-harmonious like okay and um and so it took me you know I mean it was hours that I was like experiencing this um and so I what I took from that that night was like okay like the earth just spoke to me and said Hey girl, I need your help. Um, I know you went to business school and I know you want to check out so that you can go write your comic book and teach yoga and, and be by the beach, but Hey, I could really use your help. <laughs> you know, like, uh, why don't you come down off the mountain a little bit and, and, and help out. Um, so that's what inspired me to start a nonprofit. And, um, and so I just figured that kind of like the comic book, it's like, I don't know how to do this, but okay, you know, I'm being asked to, so I'll, I'll figure it out. And that's what drew you to Costa Rica or you were already in Costa Rica at this point? I was already in Costa Rica. Um, I bet but... that's part of why it dawned on you too, because I mean, I know that's why our friend Jason goes down there because he feels just way more in touch with himself, with nature with everything he goes down there as often as possible and like I was mentioning he works for the turtle rescuing turtles and stuff like that and I have to imagine living down there gives you a different perspective on the world I'm wondering if you can even describe it a little bit for our listeners who have never been there I am um, I'm really really dumb I'm going to show my faults here I asked my friend Jason before we interviewed you I'm, I, um, he said you know in Costa Rica every so many weeks you have to go to the border um it's this thing about, you know, cause you're not, if you're not a citizen every so many weeks, you have to go to the border. And I said, isn't that hard since you're on an Island? <laughs> and he said, Oh, he said, Oh my dear boy. And then I had to look <laughs> at a map. So uh, not everybody, I'm an idiot, but there's a lot of idiots out there like me. So can you describe Costa Rica qu- really quickly for everybody? Yeah. Costa Rica is in Central America and we're like this tiny little country and, you know, kind of in the heart in the, in between like the two continents. Um, and uh, Nicaragua is uh, north of us. Then we have Panama below us. Not an island. Not an island. Like a little <laughs> isthmus. Um, and there's two peninsulas that come off of uh, Costa Rica. So in a way, Costa Rica is kind of peninsula-like itself, you know, okay. in the way that the, you know, between the two continents. Yeah. Um, but then off of the tiny little Costa Rica, like we have two peninsulas. So peninsulas are like little arms that come off of like a land mass but are not islands um, <laughs> and uh 
Although sometimes you still have to take ferries, like that can still be like one of the quickest ways to get to a peninsula just because otherwise you'd have to drive around that might take longer. So even though it's not an island, sometimes water travel can be That's why easier. I thought it was an island. I saw a ferry <laughs> once on a National Geographic. No, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we take ferries. Yeah, um, no, a lot of people do that. So that's okay. Um, but it's, it is a really, I think it is a really powerful place. So, you know, some people call it, you know, like a vortex and um, for sure, like Nosara has been known, um, you know, that attracted a bunch of the yogic community. So definitely some parts of the spiritual community think that there's a vortex there. Other people think it's like a whole country. Um, I don't know. I, you know, there's rumors that Mayan kings used to be um, you know, buried in this area that's close by where we live. Um, but, uh, but the first place that I went to was actually very close to the Panamanian border. There's like a famous wave down there. And, um, I was working for someone that, uh, um, a very interesting character that I'm, I'm writing in a fictional way into the <laughs> sequel of my novel. Um, and, uh, and so, he had a bunch of land holdings and I was going down there because remember I had studied real estate and um, and so I, I was going down there to check it out because at that point in time, he wasn't allowed back in the country. So um, because of Raver J, like I, I was, you know, kind of, I don't know, just like in this adventuresome space of like, okay, you know, I'm part of um, her journey is mirrored to mine like she's different um but but similar like maybe you know maybe she's me in another dimension it's like i like to think that anyone could be raver j um so i'm not like attached to just being her but um how do you 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 seem to be able to connect to your inner self very easily and also you seem to be able to um, project that outward and uh, listen to yourself. Um, and maybe that always was the case. I know you said you had a few epiphanies, but is there anything you could um, help other people to help themselves listen to themselves and find themselves that way? I think that's a super important thing that a lot of people are missing now. And just being able to find that space to do it, I, you know, maybe you have some insight there. Yeah, um, I think, okay, so, I, I do teach uh, yoga. I, I come from more of a tantric philosophy. Um, so yoga can become very dualistic. Uh, dualism is, you know, any of the patriarchal religions as well, like good, evil. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in tantra, there's this kind of non-dual um, concept. And I'm not saying it's exclusive to tantra, but I just happen to, you know, study there. And I think... Um, you know, there's this emphasis on the on the heart, um, where, you know, in some of some of those lineages, like heart and mind are actually more like one, they're not separated. So, you know, like Catholic priests, like they, they actually have a separation where it's like the, the white collar um, is supposed to be symbolic of like, oh, really? Pay, yeah, you like pay attention to this, you know, <gasps> everything else below it is uh, sinful, like can be ignored um it, that kind of uh, a concept and so that can be on so many different levels it can really like detach you from your feelings and, and your heart center and um and so just 
you know, for me, it, it was like this learning process because I came from like a, a Christian background. And even though I um, had always been given the option to go to church or not go to church, it's like those ideas are, are still quite ingrained. I mean, that's like probably one of the most foundational elements of our being is like any kind of religious exposure um, because, you know, we're taught that you don't question that, um, especially in the uh, patriarchal religions. And um, so for me to be like, okay, like, you know, it's, it's like, I could feel it. Like I need to, I need to follow my heart. And I would, I, you know, all these like synchronicities would happen. Like I started paying attention to quotes and one of them <laughs> was um, uh, uh, Henry David Thoreau quote of um, go confidently in the direction of your dreams um, or go boldly in the direction of your dreams. Um, and I, I just, you know, it was things like that where I'm like, okay, the Gandhi quote, of, you know, you must be the change, um, you know, that you wish to see in the world. I, it's like, they started to really speak to me. I'm like, oh, I get it. Okay. Um, so I, I was like listening from a, a different space and yeah, it's like, I don't think everyone's going to get that like intense blast of light, but I like to talk about it because it's like, Hey, it's, it is possible. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even on a more subtle level, um, you know, what happened to me, I just like finally have words for it. Like the, the tantric lineages um, know of this and they call it like the descent of grace. And um, and they say that, you know, it's like, uh, it's a type of Kundalini experience, but it's like top down instead of like bottom up. And, um, and they're like, you know, it can happen in a very subtle way um, or a very powerful way. And if it's too powerful, it can kill you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but but this, but what it always does is that it, it shifts people where they start going onto a more spiritual path and start kind of following their heart um, anyway. And so again, it's like, if you haven't experienced that yet, I think just being open to listening to people that have experienced it and knowing that it's a reality that can be felt. And so what um, the tantric lineages, at least in like the non-dual um, Shaivite, um, lineages believe is that like if you follow these practices that you you will at least have some sort of subtle awakening that that happens and um so i the there's the tantrika institute i think org and they have a free like intro to um tantra class um that this guy chris wallace aka harish um leads and uh and it's good you know and there's a lot of really good exercises in there and and the videos are are short, you know, so they're concise, but clear. Um, and, you know, I even got my husband to, um, to watch them with me. And, um, and so I had been studying Tantra for like probably, you know, 10 years prior to this course, but I, I always, you know, you're always the student, like yeah. when you're, you know, on this path. And, um, and so I just, I think that that could be really helpful um, for people is like, you know, having these these little exercises um, that they can go to, and um, and even though I teach as well, it's like I don't I don't have that content available right now. And you know, this is a great institution that I would love to promote. Yeah. You know, it's like that that could be helpful. Um, and you know, if if people are like, oh, I don't want to start and study tantra, um, it's like, well, that's okay. You know, like go sure. out there and and. Um, do what you love. And I would say uh, just being in connection with nature more often is, is important. And, um, 
you know, a lot of times people are like, oh gosh, I'm just, there's so much in my mind and I can't make the thoughts go away. It's like, I know, well, that's what the mind's supposed to do is, you know, is, is think and process. And, you know, um, you know, and so this is like part of why I like Tantra as well is that we're not saying like, you have to clear your mind. It's like, Hey, it's okay. Like just embrace that. The thoughts will come. You don't, but, but you don't have to like give them the weight that you do. It's like, just think about them as like, kind of like a vibration and for, you know, five or 10 minutes out of your day, as you choose instead to gaze at a flower or a blade of grass, or just be mindful on, you know, walking, you know, a, a trail, it's like, just pretend that the thoughts don't matter, you know, that you can think them later and whatever comes up for you, just, you know, just let them pass by like clouds and be diffuse. And, you know, you can get to them late, later. It's like, it's just one more, um, you know, it's like, we kind of think everything's like a vibration. So it's like, it's just one more vibration in your awareness field. I think sometimes you can't help it when you're in nature. I know Sean and I spent two summers up in Skagway, Alaska, which is like an elven paradise of like trees and mountains and fjords and um, very little man-made things. And what happens when you're around things that are so big, like an ocean or a mountain, is you don't only like recognize the fact that you're small. You just like can't help it. You realize all your problems and that everything you've been worrying about compared to that mountain like, I don't know, it, it really puts things into perspective. So I think there's something to that being out in nature puts yourself and your issues into perspective, I think. Yes. Yes. I, I think that that comes intuitively, you know? Um, so I, I, I think people feel that whether it's like, it's super conscious and they can put words around it or not. Like I, I, I do believe that people have that experience and, and it affects them. So that's, why it's like nature is super important but again it's like if you don't have the opportunity to go on a trip and go somewhere where it's big you know you can do little things it's like just take time and you know you can go outside and just like hang out with a tree for five minutes and and you know really try and give it your attention and not like make judgments or, you know, talk about like what the tree is, just like allow yourself to be in its presence and see if it has something to teach you. Right. Um, and it's, you know, often this, it's kind of like unspoken, um, you know, it, again, it's like on a level of intuition. It's like, you can't, you can't really describe these things in words, but if you are open to the opportunity that something might happen, it might take you almost at that five minute mark. But if you, mm -hmm. I promise it's like, I, cause I do teach this, like a, a lot of times when I teach, I teach um, for retreats. And so I have this opportunity to um, do these, you know, more of like these exercises and, you know, everyone has an experience. Like you just have to allow yourself that time. Um, but it can happen really quickly, like five or 10 minutes. You're like, oh, wow. I just learned that, you know, um, there's the way that this tree operates, you know, it's amazing. It's, it's like <laughs> right. you've been walking by this tree for a week, you know, and, and you don't realize until you sit down with it, like, but it, it seems to attract this one type of ant and what <laughs> I observed, you know, from that behavior, you know, and these people aren't scientists, you know, it's just like, there's so much, there's so much there. It's, I don't know. And so developing that relationship can help you tune into your own body and um and 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 follow 
what it is that feels good to you. Um, so I've, I've heard it said yeah. once that we should view other humans as trees, like instead of being judgmental uh, towards other people, just being like, oh, that tree's leaning to the left, being that person. Oh, the wind must have blown it that way. <clears throat> or that tree is missing a limb. Something must have happened to them and start looking at people as more like, um, why would you judge a person? It's the same as why would you judge a tree? Why would you look at a tree and be, why is that stupid tree leaning to the left? Well, it's because the, the life pushed it to the left. You know, and so I'm wondering how that translates into your, your life, especially like us being up here in America and how divided everything feels and how everybody's more angry at each other online. Are you able to take your acceptance of us being all one and really um, put that on individual people and being like, well, I forgive and love it, everybody? Or is that still difficult to do sometimes? Um, I, you know, I, I think that uh, it definitely helps but you know um yeah you know I, I think it's also natural for for people to feel irritated with one another and you know um what does angry so, raver jay look like that's what we're, that's what we're really getting out here yeah you don't want to see angry raver jay um it was funny like we sometimes like 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 real anger for me very yeah it's very quick and aggressive and um like we had some friends coming over the other day and uh and they have a dog and i have a cat and um cats (laughs) and so my cat wasn't expecting the dog to come over and happened to be outside and this dog is super sweet. Like this dog is like the sweetest thing, um, you know, knows cats, you know, in its own life and is very sweet and gentle to them. But my cat doesn't know this dog. So, um, so Scratch, my cat, he runs into a wall because he is so scared um, by the dog. And my husband calls up to me because I'm talking to some other friends that are over and he's like, Scratch needs help or something. And there's a dog. And I, I was talking to someone specifically and I just like cut that off. I was like, what? <laughs> you need me to come, you know, scare some dog. And then I saw that it was our friends and I saw which dog it was. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I think everything's fine here. <laughs> but but yeah, it was very quick. I can be very protective. Um, yeah. All right, Sean, I got more questions, but you, you want to get any more in before I keep doing all this talking over here? Uh, I mean, sure. I, you know, the, the so from for the the music part of the rave scene, I mean, it's obviously a huge piece of it. Um, and I've heard you speak to it a couple different times. Um, also, that that was a way for me, always has been a way for me to find my way into meditation or find my way into spirituality, to find my way to that other place. Um, has music been that way for you too? I, I assume that it has, but has music been that way for you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's absolutely been um, the the way in. I mean, yeah, there's something about electronic music. I mean, part of it is like the beat, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the consistent um, beat helps you get to a trance-like state. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I mean, that's just, that's just kind of science and that's old, you know, it's like, that's what our, you know, um, people for thousands of years have, have known, you know, by dancing to a beat of a drum. And um, so I, I think that there's something really powerful 
um, to that. But then we also have like these, I don't know, like sweeping sounds and just these other things that like can help you. I just feel like, like kind of take flight. And for me, it can become like really visual. And, you know, I, I tried to write some of this into the novel hoping that like for people that don't know the culture that they would be able to kind of understand like that's what this does to us. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's of course, like the music's like hugely important. Um, and I would say, you know, it's like we all have our preferences too. Of, sure. Of, you know, what sets our heart on fire? Like sometimes I go to certain festivals and you know, I just don't really vibe with the music as much, you know, so I try to appreciate other elements, um, you know, like being in the community, um, enjoying the aspects of the substance that I'm on that bring out, you know, what other kind of revelations. Um, but yeah, I like I, I tend to like um, kind of more high energy music. Um, you know, sometimes I really like trance, sometimes, you know, I like side trance, um, sometimes I really like breakbeat, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, there's, there's these other sounds that I hear sometimes and they're very spacious. And as a dancer, cause sometimes I like to play with like kind of flow tools um, in the past, it's been like hula hoops mainly. Um, and so I understand like why people like it. Cause there's this space, it's gappy. It's like, you can hit something, you know, in your, um, with your tool and, you know, you can, it's very theatrical. Um, but I kind of like this like driving beat because that sends me to space, you mm -hmm. know, um, mm -hmm. or helps me. Yeah. Like move around the cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> I think some people have to <clears throat> realize who haven't been to a rave and I don't know if they're still the same, but when I went to them, they were incredibly loud. Even if you were in the back, they were louder than a, a normal rock concert, for example, it felt like, like everything was cranked so loud and you would just feel the waves of beats literally move through your body. It was so loud. Yeah, I don't know what to say to that. Um, <laughs> I'm like, shoot, I'm like, are they, you think that they were louder? Um, well, again, like I, I didn't get to go to the underground raves. Um, yeah. and they were so, small. A lot of them were teeny, right? I only went to two, but the two I went to were not that big. You know, we, we're not talking about okay. thousands and thousands of people, you know? Yeah. I mean, by the time I was in the scene, like I was going to clubs and then these big raves. And so, yeah, it's, it's loud. I just can't really remember if it was louder than like a rock concert oh, that sure. I might remember. But I, but I do kind of understand what you're saying. It's like anywhere you go in a rave, like we, there's sound typically. Whereas like, let's say you went to go see, you know, U2 or, um, you know, like Rage Against the Machine or it's like you have the act and then you walk out of the space where the act is playing and there's not really sure. music, right? Yeah. Yep. So I I do think that that is different because it's like you don't even have to be at a festival. You could just be at a rave and we're trying to like always inundate you with sound so that, yeah, it's like you're feeling you're feeling it. But, you know, the, but the substances might make you feel it a little bit more as well. Do the um, do they ever get 
shut down ever since you've been going to them or are they all above board these days like there are no underground raves these days or if there are that's not what we're talking about well i think there's a lot of underground raves okay right all right, all right. <laughs> i think there's a lot going on right now because okay. you can't stop that you can't stop the party like you know it's like people want to gather and it's like what pandemic who cares you know right. it's like they're they're gonna gather like when we my husband and i went to chile for um uh in december and like we were at the airport and one of the things we saw is like you know some chilean rave of like 300 kids you know yeah. got busted and I like took a picture of it <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I don't mean to you know it's like I, I, I know it, it's not supposed to be funny and you know it's not setting the right example but there's but there is that spirit of like sure. you know, I'm also kind of in a way proud that it's like yeah it's like they shouldn't be whatever well and know? I did I did things when I was 17 and 18 that. Um, I don't even need to get into it now. You know, I give I yeah. give kids a certain amount of grace. You know, a lot of them don't think about tomorrow. They don't think about society as a whole. They're so interested in just figuring out who they are. And that's, all, you know, you got to give them a break. You know, yeah. they, they live in a different world. You got to yeah. look at them like a tree. Come on. Why aren't we looking at them like trees? That's what I yeah, want to understand. Exactly. Like all right. So here's a... Uh, uh, what I kind of wanted to get into as far as uh, Sean and I's relationship, because we've been best friends for 30 years. And sometimes oh, wow. we bring people onto the podcast that, you know, help us discuss stuff between ourselves as well. And um, one thing I'm noticing the dynamic between us three is, even though I consider myself more spiritual than maybe a lot of people I live around in Minnesota, I consider Sean more spiritually than, than me. And obviously you're in that direction as well. And so when I look at myself and I bounce my ideas off of Sean, there's some things I've come around on a little bit where I, um, I'm a very logical person, right? I'm really good at math, computer science. Even a lot of our listeners are probably like logical people because we do video game podcasts and stuff like that as well. So we probably bring in some of that crowd, um, maybe a, a little less in touch with the world, let's say, and uh, more logic and math. And so even though I've come around to a lot of things, and I think drugs have helped me because they've almost in a way allowed me to um, connect with things like a tool that I otherwise had, would not be able to connect with. Like now I do believe we're all connected, for example. Um, the one thing I still can't get on board with, and I'm wondering if you can help change my mind, is crystals. I don't get crystals, and I don't want to think poorly of my <laughs> friends who are into crystals, because I know a lot of people are, and I don't get it. And so educate me here. Or maybe you're not into them either, uh, but but I'm curious. Well, you know, I don't know if I'm a, I'm a crystal expert, but um, <laughs> but I am fascinated by crystals. And, um, you know, originally on my journey, I, I kind of didn't get them either. And what's funny is that they, they are kind of integral to my story, not like in a super pronounced way, but sort of. Um, and, you know, I don't, like, I, I feel like if you looked me up and you looked hard enough, like you'd find out anyway. But so my husband's part of a band called The Crystal Method. Um, so, you know, ever since I, I met him, it's like, you know, I, you know, I'm like crystals, you know, <laughs> all, it has to be part of my life. Right, you know? right. So I've, I've been, um, you know, looking at it more and it became part of my story. And so what I know from, uh, you know, there's, there's indigenous, um, you know, tribes and, and people that consider crystals to be kind of like uh, brain cells of, of the earth. 
Oh, wow. And, um, and if you think about it, it's like all of our technologies run basically on crystal technology. Hmm. Um, and um, there's a guy, jane108.com or jane108academy.com. And he's giving classes. Some of them are free. Some of them are like $500. But um, so he's, you know, he's talking about Vogel crystals. And, um, and so Marcel Vogel was doing work for IBM and designed a crystal um, kind of like, you know, with like, like, you know, how diamond rings are cut in yeah. a way where they, you know, reflect the light. Um, so Marcel Vogel had created a, a certain way to cut um, a crystal, like, and make it like a wand and it like, you could like direct it like, like magic, you know, like direct energy. And, oh, wow. Um, I can't really remember exactly like how these experiments went and, sure. and what he could do, but um but they can remember things. And so that whole concept of, um, you know, like quartz crystal having memory and, you know, it's like, I, I do believe that's true because that's how we're actually using it, um, you know, with our technology that we're creating. So it's like, it's, it's sometimes easy to dismiss and poo poo things that are coming from nature. But the truth is that like modern society is built completely from nature. And right. then it's almost like we, we hijack it and then we say, oh, but no, you can't do that on your own. You have to buy it from us. And this is how it works. Like you can't grow your own food. You should buy it from a can, you know? It's like, um, no, natural medicine doesn't work. You know, don't even mm -hmm. bother with that. Go and get your pills from the doctor, you know, that right. we, um, that we, you know, uh, have sold them to, and you know, it's our curriculum that they're following. <laughs> so, well, yeah, West, Western medicine follows the whole philosophy is unless they can prove it and reproduce it a million times exactly the same way, then they can't put it in the book, right? Because they're only willing to do something that's like um, where you can follow the formula. So yeah, there, there's definitely a disconnect there. And uh, it seems like it takes a while to figure out, you know, some of these things and actually put the science behind them. I tend to think a lot of these things will come to light eventually, like we're going to learn more reasons about why we're all connected, whether it's morphic fields or whether there's auras around us. I don't know, but I feel like the science isn't sussed out yet. Raver, we, uh, we, we still got you on audio. It looks like your, um, your video is uh, locking up a little bit there. She froze, I think. Oh. She's got, she's smiling though. That's good. Yep. We, we caught her on a smile there here. I, I bet she's going to come back in in one sec here. Oh, hi. I'm back. <laughs> That's yeah. all right. That's all right. You probably here. I'll, I'll just uh, say again, really quick here. You may, may not have heard. I was just saying that it seems like over time science does eventually explain things, but it's like the Western science has to be able to explain something and reproduce it so many times that it's hard for them to really get on board. And I feel like eventually science is going to, for example, be explained. Why is it that when I feel a tree, I feel energy come through me and I feel like we're connected, but we don't know how to do it yet. So they can't sign off on it yet, you know? Right. Yeah. And so it, it doesn't mean that that's not a reality or a truth. It's just that they can't explain it. And so they, they yeah, they can't sign off on it is a good way to, to explain it. Um, and so, you know, you have to, as an individual, just say, okay, do I want to just have my life run by authority figures and, you know, um, or do I want to experience and have like direct realizations and, um, and choose to, you know, it's like, you can still pay attention to science. I mean, I think that science is important. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's like, I, you know, getting in touch with your, yourself um, is, 
you know, that's super important too. Um, you know, there's so much science that is like funded and kind of distorted by whoever's funding it. Sure. And, you know, it, it's like the food pyramid, right? That's now widely known that the food pyramid we were raised on in the eighties was like created by like the sugar and bread <laughs> or whatever. I'm like a constituency, right? Right. Um, yeah. So there's so many examples of that. And, um, and so not to say that there's not any good science, but, um, but just to understand that it's like, yeah, I can help. It can, you know, maybe find, um, you know, fine tune things, but there's this whole other world of like direct realization that, um, that actually it's, and it feels good to do the work, um, instead of just giving all your power away and then feeling like, you know, you're not in control, um, of, of kind of like basic functions. Right. Um, so yeah, I I think doing that inner work is important. So I don't know if you were nervous this week, but I've actually been nervous quite a bit because mostly Sean and I have people on that we're that we're familiar with, or at least have like, you know, communicated with a little bit in the past. But for you, I felt <laughs> like I was really going on a limb because we'd only communicated through Instagram. Yeah, the most part. And I didn't know, like I was telling Sean before this, like, I'm really nervous. And it's not just for me either. I was nervous. Like, I know she's an interesting person. She's into so many interesting things, but I don't know if she's a good talker. And thank you. You're an amazing talker. You've been really great. This has been so easy that it went way, way, way easier than I, than I thought it was. I thought it'd be a struggle for myself and you've made this so easy for me. Thank you so much. I've actually really enjoyed this and uh, learning about it. And um, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I realized I didn't answer your question about the division. And I, I just wanted to say that, um, yeah, it is different down here, but I do feel it. It's like, I'm still very connected with um, people in the States. And there's a um, large uh, community of, you know, expatriates from all nations here. And, um, and so everywhere, you know, in any major city, it's like, it's super stressful for people. And then here we're in kind of like a bubble paradise and you know, the virus is here, but, um, but it's not ruling our life in the same way. So there's protocols. I mean, we have to mask up, you know, going to a restaurant, but same, same if you're like probably in the city, it's like you take it off when you eat. And, um, but I know that just like politically, like people have been super divided. We happened to leave in 2016, like in- Oh, perfect timing, huh? Yeah. And, um, but I, but I had kind of this sense of like, we need to, you know, leave soon. Um, and so it, it did end up being good timing. Um, but again, because of my nonprofit work, it's like, I'm still kind of involved. And, um, like I ran a, uh, turn up the boat campaign, um, in 2016, um, it didn't, um, affect anything, our efforts, but that's okay. <laughs> and then, um, and then I helped, um, a friend run the same campaign in 2018 and 2020. Um, so, you know, it's like, I, I am paying attention, uh, but yeah, it's like, and it's like, I, I have my spiritual work that I do and, um, and, and we're in our bubble, so it's it's different. Um, so it might seem shallow, but I just I wanted to tell people in the cities, it's like, look, just try to lean in. Um, I know it's going to be hard. There's so much 
you know, and it, and it's like, everyone's calling everybody names, you know, it's like, I had a friend that was like super into Q and she told me, um, you know, and I, she's, I think mentally disturbed. Like there was, you know, she got arrested for, um, something I won't mention, but that it's like, oh, that person has a problem, you know, but she ended up accusing me of being like, part of a sex cult and I the same uh, thing happened to me I told the same thing happened to me a a Republican friend I had back from Michigan when I was a kid Uh uh, he he said to me um uh your pedophilia is showing go hang out with the rest of the Democrats when you burn in hell and that's I got off I got off Facebook about a week later wow yeah I mean that's that's tough and so I I think on that one, I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much, but like it, <laughs> it hit some people. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of people that have been sexually abused. And if you start talking about these things and bringing it up, you know, it, it, it brings it to surface for them. And it might be something that they hadn't dealt with in right. a long time. And it could, you know, this can make people crazy. And the sex trafficking um, trade is real too, which it makes real. it so it's, so it's like you're putting a conspiracy on top of something that's already real. And so yeah so but anyway but now it's like we have like the liberals um you know that are so upset from everything you know um in the past four years that because i would say like i'm probably like alt left you know um like almost anarchist but like i still want to believe in government and um and yeah. And so I had always noticed with like, you know, hanging out in the drug crowds, you know, even when I was in high school, it's like, hang, just hang out with people that were drinking, we're all underage, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, oh, like, we're actually on like two different sides of the political spectrum. Um, but we, but we're doing something illegal. So, you know, right. like we're kind of open to talking about things. And actually, some of the ideas are kind of similar, but in different ways. And so I've, I've always been paying attention to this. And, um, but I, I think that we're being manipulated. Um, and uh, just like algorithms, like whatever. Um, I, th- I think the division is being intentionally created. And so I think it's, I think it's just really important to lean in. And it's like, yeah, we, we're gonna think like some of the people on whichever way we're leaning or like, I can't relate to them. It's like, we'll try, you know? And especially if like, you've ever felt that oneness and that connection, it's like, you guys, we have to try because this is, we're, we're there's so much propaganda from both sides that it's, it's like, this is being intentionally created. And, um, and there's so many things that are, that are coming and that are happening and that people aren't aware of because they haven't been going deep and they haven't been paying attention to conspiracies, the conspiracy theory shit, but there's a lot of things that are going on. And it's like, if you, if you're not willing to like make friends with your neighbor, I'm like, then you might kill them or they might kill you when things get really tough. And it's right. like, let's lean in because we have so much more in common with our batshit cra- crazy neighbors than we ever will with like one of the billionaires, um, you know, that are doing all sorts of like weird things. that um, You know, I, I personally don't agree with and don't think are in service of humanity or the earth, um, but are being proposed as being beneficial for, for both. And so it's like, amazing attention. It's amazing you went there because that's how Sean kind of started off this whole podcast. This podcast was kind of Sean's idea. We do video game ones as well. Uh-huh. And re- and it was right around when the election happened too, where he kind of kicked off the first episode talking about how we got to come together. And that's kind of what we need just, to yeah, start talking about. You just encapsulated the reason why I wanted to start doing this podcast, that people have to learn how to communicate again. 
And it's what, what you said about your neighbor being the most important person to communicate with is absolutely 100% the truth. You have to be able to communicate with the people you live around. And within a mile, like just go out, talk to people. Don't be afraid to do it. They're going to have differences and then embrace them and find out where your similarities lie and then embrace that too. It's, it's such a odd thing that we've forgotten how to do. And it's very uh, alluring to me because I feel like I've emotionally lost a bunch of people in my family over the past, you know, several presidents kind of starting with even Bush is kind of when I felt like it started and Obama and now Trump just went off the edge where like I have relationships with some of them still, but it's just not the same anymore. Like things have been said, you know, feelings have been hurt and uh, I'm tired of it and I'd love to get past it. It's my family, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, time can heal, but but mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to your family, it's like you don't want it to take a long time, you know. Right. Um, but I would, yeah. I mean, I would just say, I don't know. Like, if can you talk them into doing like um, some medicinal ecstasy? Um, I mean, it's. <laughs> My mom listens to this. Hey, mom. Hey, mom. Yeah, no, no. I'm going to go ahead and answer that for your mom. <laughs> no. Yeah, she's going to say no. She's going to say no. Yeah, even mushrooms, I think, can be helpful. Oh. And both both are coming no. onto the scene. No, not happening. No. But she no. did admit that she was a hippie for like one year. And so yeah? she, did, she did do drugs. And then she, according to her, she had kids. And that's all in her past. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they. Can, I just think that they can be helpful, but um, but you still have to do the work. Yeah. Um, but they, but it's like both of those substances, I think, you know, do help open the heart. Um, when we can be very good at resisting that feeling, um, otherwise, it's like they almost kind of like force it open. So that's why I suggested it. But um, yeah, I I think. Uh, I mean, you're her child. Like, I would imagine that she wants a relationship with you. Um, she does. And I would hope that you would want the same, you know, coming, you know, out of your mother. She and does. Um, I, I just, yeah, I just think that, you know, we all have our triggers, right? Like, um, my mom and I uh, have had, like, a, a difficult relationship. Like, starting around 10, I got really... Um, I start fighting back, you know, <laughs> if, yeah. if she would tell me certain things or, or yell at me, I, arr, you yeah, know, that usually starts at 13. You started early, huh? I started a little early. So, um, you know, I started to appreciate her more, obviously when I got out of the house and realized like, Oh, okay. You know, I understand why she was stressed out. I, I right. get these things, but because of that time period, it's like, there was these little things that they're triggers and, and it's been a lot of work for me to, you know, try to take that breath, you know, um, when, when she, she does something, cause she's not, you know, she doesn't necessarily mean to, or she doesn't know it's a trigger of mine. She, it's just like, it's a, it's a behavior. Right. And, um, and I, I had always in the past, like taken it a certain way. And so this is where like yoga can help is like that you, you're aware. It's like your, your thought doesn't, you know, um, turn into an emotion right away. It, it's like, you can have the thought, you observe it. And you have like maybe this tiny little period where you can either choose right. to <laughs> breathe and step back or say, no, screw it. Like, I'm just going to, you know, react the way I want to anyway. Um, and well, so I just, yeah, pausing and breathing could help, 
she's going to be on, uh, I guess, in a few weeks. So, Sean, you're just going to have to look for me getting triggered. Me, like, doing something oh, like this. like It's not going to be difficult. And then, and then you'll just have to be like, Jeff, breathe for a second. Breathe, and you take over the questions <laughs> for a minute, and then I'll be better. Okay. But no, it, it was really, though, amazing, Raver J, where you went in the end there, because that does wrap it up perfectly. That That is what we want to stress to everybody, is start talking to your neighbors, start talking to your family, start talking to the person that – you think is nuts because they think that, you know, something you don't believe in because they've taken different media than you do, for example, because uh, it really is the way forward, at least uh, we think so. Um, again, uh, you can find uh, Raver J at www.raverj.com or you can uh, go to Instagram at the Raver J, find out all about the comic and whatnot. Sean, I know you got to go cook some dinner. What's for dinner tonight? Tonight, I think we're gonna have blackened patrolli sole with some pickled carrots oh my and gosh. rutabaga, and maybe a little bit of I maybe some rice. I don't know. Maybe caramelized onions. I don't know. Nice. He's a better cook than me, Raver J. He starts he starts cooking hours before they eat. I, I that's I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a you know like how long does it take you to think about? <laughs> I do it like for, that. It's what I do, so it's not. Okay. It's not. It's not a stretch. Yeah, no. Not hard. Okay, that's mm -mm. beautiful. Anything yeah. else uh, you want to promote, uh, Raver J? As far as well, telling I, people I wanna, where yeah, to find me, you, I, I want to know where you can. Like you said, you you have classes and things like that. Tell us where we could find you for that sort of thing too, please. Um. Well, on the raverj.com website, there's like a button that will take you to like yoga and that will take you to my like specific yoga website. And so it's mostly um, written articles that I have right now on my YouTube channel. I have like a few like little tiny mini classes there um, and I'll be making more content in the future. But um, but for now, I would just say, you know, raverj.com, that's easy. Then then find the yoga um, button. Okay. more will be coming awesome or come to costa rica and, and take one of the retreats that i yeah, come on down <laughs> we got room yeah. that that actually is yeah that could happen yeah, yeah. All right. so um, it was so nice to talk to both of you yeah it was, I, it was it was a, 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 a real pleasure for me especially and i know i know jeff was super excited and like he said he was super nervous but he he did really well we're proud of jeff good job oh um, no, you, you made it easy raver j yeah so, you're, you're, so, Sometimes I need to pull the words out of somebody and not only were you not afraid to talk, but you're interesting as well. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I kind of wish we had a whole another two hours. So I could, you know, ask, turn it around and like ask you guys. So, Oh, okay. Um, All right. We'll have yeah. you back. You can ask us questions. That's fine. <laughs> if, That's now, cool. yeah, I was just going to say, now you just dedicated yourself to another episode. So. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I'm like, awesome. you guys seem equally interesting. So. Cool. Um, and yeah, and Jeff, I love your your art. So I oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and Sean's like, let me know. I would love to check out any music that you do. All right, I'll send you some stuff. Yeah, please do. I'm cool. currently painting the girl who gave the inauguration a poetry speech. I think her name is Gorman or something oh. like that. Cool. Yeah, that's what I'm working on today. All right. Well, it was awesome talking to you. We'll see you later too, Sean. And All right, we'll see everybody listening as well. Be good, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye, Fleur. Bye. 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 Bye